Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Dadich, who is an estate planning lawyer uh, based in Southfield, Michigan. Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, thanks, Jordan. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity here today. Let's just start with a little bit of your background before we get into the estate planning area you covered. Sure. How did you get to where you are now? Well, I in turn actually started out in, in public accounting. I was in public, public accounting, worked as a CPA for a number of years, and then uh, decided to go into uh, law school. We had worked with a number of attorneys, and I'd always had an affinity to the to the to tax law and helping families uh, kind of work around some of the tax issues and also dealing with, with family issues and whatnot. So once I went to law school, uh, from there I did an externship in beautiful downtown Naples, Florida, and just kind of got hooked on the whole estate planning idea. Um, I saw a number of opportunities for decades to come with families that were, um, that unfortunately, um, you know, the grandparents were passing away, there was family um, fighting, there, there, I should say there was family infighting, and um, what type of um, planning can actually be done to prevent some of this, some of the fights that I in turn saw, and also from just, just from the the um, traditional estate planning and your wills and trusts and medical powers and just seeing the importance of those over the years now and so that's kind of been my my route to get to where where I am now and tell me a little bit about your clientele what kind of people do you deal with well we in turn deal with there's there's a portion of, our, of my clients that are close to retirement so anywhere from from five to seven years to to retirement so I put the, them into the um, um, a family in their 50s um, that's that's one clientele. There's there's the baby boomers, one, uh, families who are ac- actually retired and haven't done any type of planning yet um, from the estate planning uh, aspect. And then we also work with um, with with um, families and I should say with busy families who have small kids and trying to to develop a plan for them to help prevent um, um, un- unnecessary and costly probate court matters. Um, and, and and of course, if they have small kids ensuring that they have the proper guardians and conservatorships nominated in case something happens to mom or dad. Let's take a broader look at the whole estate planning situation in America. Do most people have their estate plans put together, they've got wills, they've got trusts set up, or, or most people do not? And if so, why not? Uh, you know, based on my personal experience, it's many families don't. Um, I in turn believe the the percentage is probably around seventy seventy percent. The that that's based on my experience. The the New York Times has reported over the years it's it's around fifty five to sixty percent. So, um, so that in turn is what what I deem as as the percentage. The the reasons why um, I think one of them is that a you're you're kind of talking about a a pretty morbid issue unfortunately, um, and I know you're yourself as a financial planner and advisor. Um, you know, it's, it's sometimes a, a very difficult task to kind of um, get get the idea across to a client or, or family that, you, look, here's what, what can actually happen if you don't have, say, a simple will or, or even a trust in place. Here's the reasons why you need it. Um, and, and even if families, and, and there may be fallacies that are out there, if they have no assets or, or I should say very little assets, um, then they don't need an estate plan. And there's reasons for why why they should at least have a minimum amount, including like like um, um, powers of attorney for for medical cares and patient um, patient advocates and directives and whatnot. 
So a lot of people just don't get around to it. And then what happens if somebody dies uh, without any estate planning whatsoever? No will, no trust, no health care powers of attorney. What, what kind of situation do they put themselves into? Well, here's the, the, the actual scenario. Um, and we, in turn, um, actually have a variety of clients right now that are in probate court. They, it, if you have nothing in place, and, and if you have assets over a certain threshold, say over eighteen thousand, over fifteen or $20,000 in most states, they have an adjusted amount that where if it's under, say, 15000 you technically don't have to go to probate court. Um, so that's a small estate claim that can be filed to, say, transfer the name of a bank account that has $10,000 in it or $12,000. That's, that's one mechanism. But if they have a significant amount of assets, say, Fifty, a hundred, a couple hundred thousand dollars, half a million. Whether it's insurance proceeds that never had a beneficiary, they are going to be in probate court, and they have to be in probate court. Um, I'm working with a client right now. Dad passed away. There's three kids. Mom had unfortunately passed away some years ago, and there's a house that's only in Dad's name. The uh, two brothers are, happen to be living there, and so the question is, well, how do we get this house into the kids' names? Well, the probate court serves a very good function. They actually help transfer assets into the rightful, I should say, um, into the legal heirs' names. Now, assuming there's no creditors, no claims from, for, for medical care and things like that. So that's one of the functions. And so they will find themselves in probate court, and the cost of probate court can, can vary anywhere from, conservatively, 3 to 5% up to tens of thousands of dollars. I had worked on a small estate um, of $200,000, $250,000. There was multiple kids involved, and the attorney fees alone in that case um, were anywhere from, I think, close to fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 because some of the kids, there were certain issues with the kids. So at that time, there was no planning that was done. Dad had passed away, and, and here they were. It was costing the estate excess money that probably didn't have to be paid had they done the proper planning. Yes, what happens all the time. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, you, you say that there are certain myths about estate planning. Um, and yes. shocking truths that every responsible family needs to know. What are some of those myths? The um, few myths that, that I've kind of developed and seen over the years, one is that, that you only need a will to protect your cherished assets. A will is a guaranteed ticket to probate court. In, in most states, and I in turn practice, and I'm only licensed in Michigan, however, most states, you in turn, if all you have is a will, you're definitely going to probate court, assuming you have assets. And, and assuming that, that the assets you have don't have other beneficiaries, um, that's, that's one myth. Um, in addition to that, and I mentioned this a little bit ago, even if you have very few assets, you in turn still, the, the fallacy is that, well, it, you know, um, Joe, I only have $30,000 sitting in an account, and, um, you know, I really don't need any other types of um, planning. Well, you still need, at a minimum, medical powers of attorney, in my opinion, because this is going to prevent your family from actually having additional costs and unnecessary costs in probate court. Because if someone needs to obtain guardianship, that's the care and well-being of um, over one, one's person, or a conservatorship that's, that's overseeing someone's finances to protect them from, um, from someone taking advantage of them and whatnot, you're going to end up spending money in probate court, either at a minimum the, the, the filing fee, which can range up to a couple hundred dollars, and if you have to hire an attorney, which many families do, you're going to start paying thousands of dollars when it can be, you can curb that cost by having a simple medical power of attorney. That's the second myth. The uh, third is that, that your plan will work the day you sign the documents. This is the item that, 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 that I've really tried to hone in on, or the myth, I should say. And, and here's why, Jordan. 
once a family comes in to, to get their planning done um, and they sign the documents, well, even if you're signing a will or a trust and you're trying to transfer assets into a trust, and, and I in turn will, will, will get into that um, in, in a little bit as to what, what that actually means, um, you, have, you, you have to take additional steps to transfer assets into, this, into the trust. That's one of the biggest things I see from a planning standpoint. It's one of the critical points. You need to have assets funded into a trust, or else the trust is just a document that's unfunded and, it, and it's worthless. Um, in addition to that, we in turn try to provide to our clients a mechanism and a certificate of guarantee to allow them to come back because no one, unfortunately, many families don't want to go see the attorney again, but they have life changes. If they have a, a newborn, if they've moved, if they've had, if they've changed jobs, if they've if they've uh, purchased additional assets, maybe they've inherited property, they need to get the plan that they signed on that day updated. That could be six months, a year, two years, five years down the road. So we've tried to curb that cost by including that, at least for, from my standpoint, into our initial planning, because I really want, the, in my opinion, the plan has to work. If they have assets left out of the plan that, that they've indicated that they want. Uh, protect beneficiaries, protect their kids and whatnot from creditors and divorcees, then it's not going to work, and anything I've done or another attorney's done is going to fail. So, so we've tried to put mechanisms in there to ensure that they don't fail. So I think those are the three biggest myths that, that I see out there. So you find a lot of people set up trusts, do the right thing, and then they don't fund the trust, so it really has almost no value at that point. Is that right? Yes, exactly. They, in turn, don't do that. And it's not, and you know what, we, in turn, also work with a multitude of, of um, financial advisors, and the financial advisors aren't there to, to give the legal advice, but definitely know, having been around, um, know that certain assets have to be funded and placed into the trust. And a lot of times, it's it's the client that either, um, you know, we, we can send out as many letters as we want, as we want. We can try to get them to come in, but the client really has to, after they get the advice, they have to take the initiative to say, okay, I understand why I need to get this this asset in there. Um, um, funded into the trust. I guess there's a lot of inertia when it comes to all these things. It's easy to delay or get to it later and you don't get to it later and then things mess you're, up later. Is that right? You're absolutely right. I in turn try to tell clients, even even from, from the initial talk, uh, whether it's myself or if it's being referred by, by an advisor or another referral source, um, you the clients work hard to get where they're at and we are mindful and respective um, of that. But at the same time, this is a process. It's not all going to happen in one meeting. It's going to take a little bit of time. It may take, you know, I'm working with a client right now who uh, we, we've indicated it's going to take at least two to four weeks to help set this up. And she understands that. I mean, they've worked hard to get where they're at. Unfortunately, they're her, her husband passed away some months ago. So we're doing some planning for her and her kids. So um, it takes, takes some time to put into place. Usually two to six weeks, I think, is a good estimate. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Joe Dadich, uh, who is an estate planning ast- attorney uh, based in Southfield, Michigan. And we'll be back after this to talk more about estate planning and all the documents you need to make it do, to make, do it right. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? 
You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of The Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011 on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800-707-1634. That's 800-707-1634. And don't delay because spaces are limited. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Dadich who is an estate planning lawyer based in Southfield, Michigan. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Oh, thanks, Jordan. Uh, before we go further, just tell them uh, your website and email address if they want to get further information uh, about you. The, the website is 15criticalpoints, and that's 15criticalpoints, spelled out, dot com. That's, that's, that's our, our main website. Um, the, the email is you can, you can uh, use contact at 15criticalpoints.com or you can use my my personal email I'm more than happy to take questions there is um, S as in Sam E as in Ed E as in Ed P as in Paul A as in Apple JD like my initials at hotmail.com that's my personal email I definitely want to be able to answer answer questions and um, try to become an an advocate and try to see too that the families that are out there that are thinking about this can, can truly take the steps to kind of move forward Okay, let's go through the five most important documents, uh, the state planning documents that people need. The first one is the Advanced Health Care Directive. Explain what that is and why you need it. The, the Advanced um, Health Care Directive allows someone to nominate an agent, a, a, I should say a patient advocate, to make health care decisions 
and, and allow the family members and loved ones to express their desires for 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 how they would want their their health care to be determined should something unfortunate happen to them the, the the big case that a lot of families hear about is the Chiavo case from Florida where in that case the the wife had a terrible accident um, and she was in a coma for a period of 10 years and there was not a living will which is part of the advanced health care directive that's a document that expresses expresses your wishes whether or not you want to be beyond a beyond life-sustaining measures or like on feeding tubes on breathing tubes and you know it kind of gets into the whole quality of life issue when I'm working with families as to that aspect of families just say I really don't want to be in a vegetative state if I am I allow so-and-so to essentially and I hate to say this term to pull the plug almost but that's the that's the layman's terms you know there's a lot of more a lot more medical issues that kind of go into it so that's that's the first critical document and then you have the durable power of attorney that's related to it but separate from the health care directive right correct that's specifically for for financial matters um, that in turn kind of operates as a safety net for if if you have all the five documents in place and I'll, they'll hear me talk about it when I get to the trust it allows someone to nominate nominate a um, financial agent to essentially utilize to to give them direct powers to either um, access bank accounts, utilize bank accounts to transfer assets, which is the important part in your estate plan. Because if you if you go into a hospital and if you're incapacitated or don't have the mental capacity, and you have certain assets that aren't placed in your trust, now you need this 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 power of attorney for who you nominated to be able to effectively go out there and transfer assets into your trust. That's that's one mechanism access the safe deposit boxes, you can allow someone to utilize that. And the bank account is pretty much the, the, the key one, even though we in turn have a host of, of, um, of clauses in there from working with real estate, working with if they have a business. Um, so it's kinda, it works as a, as a safety net um, in the scheme of things and, and the scope of all the documents. When you have these things, uh, they need to be witnessed and notarized, and should the originals be kept with you at home or with the attorney? Where should the originals be kept of these various documents? The the originals, um, well, well, first the any documents that the client receives should be kept in a safe place, a safe deposit box if they have one, um, a safe at their house. I, families, I've had some families that just keep it in their in their. Um, their, in their kitchen drawer where they keep the tax stuff that they're going to utilize on a yearly basis. Um, that's, that, that's just a few places that they can keep them, um, keep documents like, like this. Um, and as far as the actual um, signatures that are required, on, on financial powers, powers of attorney, um, all of our documents are, are definitely notarized, but it doesn't mean that... You, each state requires you to have documents notarized and and or have witnesses. Now, now the will is the document, and we'll get to that in a couple minutes, that, that really has to have complete measures taken. Um, but for the most part, a financial power of attorney, it's good to have. You should have two witnesses. If they're doing all the documents to begin with, you're probably going to have two witnesses there um, at the same time. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of important to kind of keep in mind and make sure that, that the document's effective. Okay, so we've got the advanced health care directive, the durable power of attorney. The next one is the will. Uh, so tell us exactly what a will is supposed to do and, and uh, you know, why you need one. Sure. 
a will is is very important for for someone to to state in writing what their intentions are for their assets. That's that's kind of the key overriding concern. Um, if we're working with clients, how they want their assets um, distributed. Now, if they have a couple kids, two or three kids, and they just say, I, I just want my assets distributed equally to my kids. I love them all equally. There's really no issues of um, me trying to disinherit a certain child. Um, another function that we will provide is you in turn nominate someone, a personal representative, or or an exec and an executor, um, depending on which state state you're in. Um, it's someone to essentially um, state to the court. Here's what Mr. and Mrs. Smith's intentions are. They want their their um, jewelry to go to child to to Jane, their firstborn. They want certain assets. They want the cottage up um, up north or the cottage in Florida or, or wherever have you to go to. Um, so and so, even though there's there's deeds that get involved in that, but um, so it's 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 kind of a base document to allow and express someone what their true intentions are. Okay, and then the next document is the trust, which works with the will. What is the purpose of that? The uh, trust is probably the the critical document from the estate planning uh, standpoint. Um, most of the time, the trust is set up to to do a couple things. One is to to bypass probate. And by that, I mean what we talked about earlier. A will is a guaranteed ticket to probate court. And also, um, if you don't have a will, you're definitely going to be in probate court if you have significant assets. Um, the trust can help you bypass probate by allowing you to transfer assets into this, into this, this, um, um, the, um, the, the trust, a, which is called a, a revocable living trust. And that just means that, that, that while you are living as the grantor, you transfer, say, a personal residence, you transfer your bank account into this trust for the benefit of someone, meaning it's, it's, it's usually for kids, for the benefit of my three kids. And what that does is you've effectively moved title to your assets while you're living into this state entity, this, this creature of the state, which is the uh, trust. And by doing so, if, you, if the grantor or, say, mom and dad pass away, the trust now takes over. It, the trust now, once they pass away, becomes irrevocable. Meaning, so, so it kind of springs to life when they die. Is what you're correct, saying? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, but as we talked about earlier, you need to have the assets in there because if you don't, you will be in probate court, trying to illustrate to the to the court and the state judge or probate court judge, um, the pour over will should pour over into the trust. But now you have unnecessary costs because you're in probate court that you were trying to avoid. So avoidance is is probably one of the keys. Um, another function is to um, is to try to prevent creditors, um, bankruptcies, divorcees uh, from receiving any of your kids' inheritance. Um, a lot of times we're working with families, and if they have young kids in their teens, um, they don't know if they're going to get married in their 20s, 30s, or whatnot. But if they receive an inheritance, say they have two kids and one of the children um, um, happens to be married, and the family doesn't like that particular in-law, well, if they if they have nothing in place, and that child receives the inheritance, if they subsequently subsequently become divorced, part of that that inheritance now now it's not to say that that all of it, but if they start commingling it, start using it um, as a as a husband and wife over the course of, of of years, then part of that asset may end up going to this spouse that is divorcing their child when that may never have been the family's intended consequence. So the trust can hold this money and property up in trust, and they can keep it there for the benefit 
of this child. And that's, that's one of the other critical points um, with regards to a trust. And then there's, there's, there's tax planning measures that come into play that maybe we can get into a little bit later. Is it a good idea to have life insurance in a trust? Yes. Um, yes, 100%. If you have life insurance, especially with, with minor kids, Jordan, um, say assuming a family has, has $100,000 of life insurance, if they don't have any beneficiaries, it's going, to, it's going to go into their estate, which is probate court. They would then have to, that would be then based on state law, who the legal heirs are. Usually it's going to be the kids. But again, if you want to protect it from someone, if, if a family believes that, that, that one or two of their children are not financially adept, then having the trust to protect the insurance money from, from them spending it all. Um, and real quick, you know, there's been studies done on how fast families or, or kids actually spend their inheritance. And I was shocked to hear, I, I think it's as low as six months to a year on the low side, if not a couple years on the, on the high side for, for family um, inheritances. So they run, so, right, run right through it, basically, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, then, and with the insurance, as, as you know, Jordan, and for your, for your audience, um, if you have small kids, you, 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 sh- you need to have the money in a trust um, to, for the benefit of these kids because if not, it's going to go into probate court, and whoever gets appointed as conservator, assuming that they had appointed someone, and the court now will oversee all the proceeds. You're going to have attorney fees on a yearly basis, most likely. You, you, you in turn may, may not have the advisor that the family was working with to begin with, and they may have additional fees or charges that, that come about. So once someone, unfortunately, once, once, uh, once there's money there, Let's you know the point is to try to protect as much as we can. It's not to say there's not going to be cost there, but having the insurance in the trust is definitely the, the best thing to do. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Joe Dadich, uh, who is a estate planning lawyer uh, based in Southfield, Michigan. Uh, his website again is 15criticalpoints.com. 15 spelled out one five of uh, different critical points about estate planning. We'll be back after this. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of The Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011 on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. 
In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800-707-1634. That's 800-707-1634. And don't delay, because spaces are limited. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Datich, who is an estate planning lawyer. Uh, his company is called Datich & Associates, based in Southfield, Michigan. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Thanks, Jordan. We were going through the, the documents. We talked about the Advanced Healthcare Directive, the Durable Power of Attorney, the Trust, and the Will. And the last one is the Emergency Child Protection Plan. So briefly tell us what that's about. The, uh, the Protection Plan is a document where, where families with, with small kids are able to nominate um, not just permanent guardians and conservators, which is what a will does, but also nominate emergency responders and temporary responders. Now, by that, I mean, on, in the scenario I go through with clients on a Friday night, something unfortunate happens to mom and dad, which is one of the reasons why they're planning, um, and who has, con- who has legal authority over their kids. Again, we're talking about minor kids, 8, 10, 12 years old, um, you know, up to 14, um, and who actually has the authority over them. Now, wills usually nominate permanent guardians and conservators. That's an important key because what if that guardian and or conservator is out of the state? What if they're, they're, they, in turn, are out of town for that time being? Well, if the police come over to your house on a Friday night, they, they need someone with authority there. And it's usually not the babysitter, unfortunately. Um, and it's usually a, a very hectic time in the crisis and whatnot. And so that's what the Emergency Child Protection Plan does. It helps prevent um, a state potentially taking over or, or overseeing the kids, even for a couple of days. Families hate when I tell them that. And the, the second critical point is, unwanted family members, um, the, the Uncle Bill who kind of drinks a little too much or the family may not want them to be raised by this particular... So um, is that on, on record with the police? I mean, say the police come over and the babysitter's there. How do the police know who the short-term person's going to be? No, the, the babysitter would have, if they have the guidelines in place, they would have phone numbers to emergency responders, which are usually neighborhood family and friends, to at least call the temporary responders. And then we allow them to sign a legal document indicating, here's who I want to take to take control of my children if the permanent guardians and conservators are not in town at this point in time. And at a minimum, it gives them the time to call that person and call and find out, okay, here's that first person to call. It's the neighbor down the street. Here's the second person to call if they aren't there. Here's the temporary responder. It could be someone at least within the same county. But again, it's for that, 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 that percentage chance that the family that no one is there and you know just like planning for insurance you know we're planning for that small percentage chance that something unfortunate happens so 
that's what we've tried to look at with regards to the emergency child protection plan. All right, we're also related to children. Uh, why is it important to name a guardian, and how should one pick uh, a guardian? Apparently, a lot of people just never get around to doing it, right? Yeah, um, you know, a, a couple reasons there that, that parents fail to name guardians for their kids. Uh, one is that they can't decide um, who to name. They have good friends that they'd like to see um, become guardians. They have family members that they'd like to see, or a sibling or whatnot. Um, and then at the same time, the families that the families just don't know how how easy it is. It's not a um, you know, from, from the planning end, it's not as um, difficult as it sounds. I mean, it's it's stated right there at a minimum in the will. We nominate Billy and Jane, who are our siblings, who who are my my sister and brother-in-law, to take care and watch over my my kids as as guardian. It can be as easy as that to get something in place. But I've seen families that have waited months, you know, five six months to try to get the own quote unquote the right couple in there, and that may never happen. I mean, so. Get someone in place. That's that's the biggest thing. Okay, uh, let's just talk about the the current uh, kind of unusual tax situation as far as the states. Uh, as of right now, uh, if nothing changes, uh, the estate laws as of January first, two thousand eleven, go back to where they were basically two thousand one, which is yep. the ex exemption goes up to a million dollars. The uh, estate tax rate can be as high as fifty five percent. I guess as low as thirty eight percent. Um, and we kind of go back to the future. Right now, in 2010, there is no estate tax whatsoever. Uh, Correct. F first of all, do you think that's going to change? And if it doesn't change, how do you plan uh, for that radical increase in taxes and, and uh, much lower exemptions compared to past years? Well, I think it's going to change. I, I'm not sure when, but I, I don't think they're going to keep it at a million dollars, the exemption. Um, the estate tax alone, when you look at the, the totality as to how much it actually brings in, it's, it's, it's really a small comparison to the total amount that the government brings in. But nonetheless, it's an important factor because who wants to get hit with a 50% tax, um, especially on the exemption at a million, which means families now that were protected, say in 2009, that had $2 million, if they don't have the tax planning or, or a, a trust, an AB trust, that $2 million for a spouse, for, for, for a husband and wife, if a husband passes passes away, um, you know that that's a potential five hundred thousand dollar estate tax hit if they don't have the proper planning. Um, what do I personally think the, that Congress may do? I doubt they're going to do anything between now and the end of the year with the elections coming up and whatnot. Um, I would hope that in the first quarter of next year that they provide some planning, some some options for the um, attorneys out there that are working with 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 families. Um, essentially in excess of a million dollars. I mean, many families over the years now may have that um, in insurance alone, in life insurance alone. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of why they, you know, from the planning standpoint, why they should get something done. But, um, you know, I really think it's probably going to level off at anywhere between 2.5 to 3.5 million per individual. That's kind of where I think it's going to go. Um, but, you know, unfortunately with Congress, as you know, Jordan, you, you just never know. A million dollars sounds like an awful lot. Is a million dollars a lot, or, or is it easier to get there than most people might think? I think it's easier to get there now with with the with how many you know. And I hate to say this with families that are going online looking at term insurance. I'm not suggesting that's the best insurance, but it's definitely you know it's better than nothing. Um, to have certain things like that, if they're healthy, you know they probably have you know pretty low premium. So if they're again if they're if they have something like like that in place. 
in addition to if they, you know, depending on what their assets are in a retirement plan, 401k and whatnot, um, and then if they've inherited property, that, that million dollars may be easier to get to today from what individuals may realize. Now, it's not to say that the families are out there that just say, no, you know, I'm never going to get there and whatnot. So, you know, the, the tax planning end may not be as critical an issue. Um, so you, you say that people should get an IRA trust as opposed to a standard trust if you have significant retirement account assets like IRAs and 401ks. Explain a little bit about an IRA trust and, and what the advantage of that is over standard trust. And an IRA trust, the I'll go over a couple of the, the highlights. Um, first off, the, the IRS designates certain guidelines that relate to whether or not your, your IRA can be held in your standard trust. The IRA or 401k, I'm going to call IRA, I'm going to refer to that as all your retirement plans um, without um, complicating it. 401k, SEPs, KEOGs, just retirement plans in general. Um, because the IRS states, well, here's, here's some of the critical points you need for, for this trust to become a qualified, a defined beneficiary trust to ensure, ensure certain things with regards to your IRA. One of them is, is the uh, stretch out. Um, the re- and one of the reasons why they placed the IRA or the deferral mechanism in this IRA retirement plan is for tax deferral reasons. So the question that comes up with clients when I'm working with them is, um, you know, assuming they have, usually this, it's not going to be cost effective for them unless they have over $100,000. Let me just indicate that. So say a family has $250,000 of um, qualified money, IRAs and whatnot. Um, that particular family if they have two kids and they say, well, we in turn just want our kids to, to have the IRA, um, but how do we ensure that they have the stretch out? How do we get asset protection in here, Joe? How do we ensure that, that the, you know, as best as we can, that the kids aren't going to spend it all? So what, if I start hearing, because our planning is based on their goals and dreams, not on what I'd like to do, um, it's based on what they want. So the first step is we, we illustrate to them, well, here's how much of a tax hit. If, if they're beneficiaries, they're going to get most likely a letter from who's ever holding the funds, giving them an option. So if their kids are in their 30s and 40s, one option is going to be cash it all out, pay the tax on it, which which could look very lucrative to a son, daughter, and whatnot. Um, that's 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 one thing. The second thing that they that they're probably going to be told, or you can take it out over over your your lifetime. Here's your life expectancy and whatnot. You can get you know three, four, five hundred dollars a month and whatnot. Um, that's not asset protected at that point in time. So if we're already talking about the trust and the trust, how it's going to protect other assets that are in the trust, we want to ensure that, that these are done right. So the IRA trust does this. It's a totally separate creature. It's, it's, it's been approved by the IRS. Um, some of the, the, the individuals across the country, there's Phil Cavers, he's an estate planning attorney out of California, um, who I've studied under. Um, there's a CPA out of virtual crowds. They, they've done a lot of the heavy lifting, so to speak, Related to as you internal Jordan related to private letter rulings. Now it's not to mean that each family. And I hope your your listening audience doesn't say, "Oh, well, private letter rulings mean that I can just take that and run with it." Um, no, it's it's it is geared towards whoever files that. However, it does create precedent. There's tax law on this, and and the big issue for me on the IRA trust is this: if you have a standard trust, the revocable trust that we were talking about earlier, which is a great tool to have in addition to this. If you have your IRAs in there, your IRAs are based on federal law. The trust is on state law. You, that that IRA is going to be a flow-through or a conduit, so to speak. 
So that option that they get is just going to flow through the trust. Now, how do you get the asset protection? Well, in, in the IRA trust, there's a mechanism that allows the trustee, and I'm going to u- utilize the term, to create a toggle switch, which means you're allowed to switch that flow-through mechanism, which is a conduit, and I, I hate to get technical on this, to an accumulation trust. So, for instance, if the whole impetus of setting up a plan was, I really don't like in-laws of my, my son or daughter, or they have bad financial management, they have business partners that may potentially sue them, so there's a host of reasons to, to protect this key asset from, from creditors like this um, of their beneficiaries or their kids in, in this hypothetical. That toggle switch allows the trustee to say, I'm not going to give this beneficiary any more of their, of their flow through from this IRA. We have the authority, we have the power, and I'm cutting it off from this creditor. So what to do? It allows them to go to the creditor and settle for pennies on the dollar. That's one thing. The other thing it does is it allows the, the now the uh, trustee does have to accumulate these, these funds, and, and I hate to admit it, but you will have to pay tax on that at trust rates. However, I would prefer a client have that ability and that option, since estate planning is all about options, to either, instead of paying 100% of this money that would have normally went to this, this child or, or the beneficiary, and pay tax on that versus giving 100% of it away to a creditor. So it's kind of a, you have to weigh the benefits there. So those are a few of the key points there. If someone wants additional information on that, you know, please have them, you know, they can email me and whatnot. Um, and I will be more than happy to get them out scenarios, get them out articles on okay. that specific point. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Joe Dadich. Uh, whose uh, law firm in Southfield, Michigan, is uh, Datich and Associates. Uh, he's clearly an estate planning lawyer who knows his stuff. We'll be back after this. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of The Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011, on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800-707-1634. That's 800-707-1634. And don't delay, because spaces are limited. 
It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Dadich, who is an estate planning lawyer uh, based in Southfield, Michigan. His website is 15criticalpoints.com, 15 spelled out 15. His uh, email is seepadj at hotmail.com. Uh, welcome back to the show, Joe. Thanks, Jordan. Let's talk a little bit about small business owners. What are some of the secrets that small business owners need to know uh, to take advantage of, uh, so they can take maximum business risk, but not have a lot of personal risk when it comes to estate planning? Sure. One of the, the biggest things I see, and I actually had a client who, who lost $33,000 and spent the night one night in jail because he didn't have a simple step in place, and that's the LLC. I know everyone harps on it, and you hear about it on the radio through multitude of marketing efforts. An unincorporated business, which is a essentially a sole proprietor, it's not really a business. It's 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 just a hobby, and you are not protected. Your your personal assets are not protected. That means if someone sues you, if someone comes after you for a variety of reasons, contract reasons, tort or whatnot. They get to sue you personally and go after your personal assets. Um, that, in turn, is number one, getting an LLC without, without getting into different C-Corps and S-Corp issues. At a minimum, get an LLC um, to, help, to help protect you. Um, number two, you, have, you should have, as a business owner, some critical relationships that, to help surround yourself with. You cannot be a business owner and know whatever it is you're selling, goods or services. Know 100% of that and then also know 100% of accounting, um, no, 100% illegal, and then of course from the financial planning um, area, you know, you, you, it's difficult to under, to know and become an expert at all these. So I advise clients: you need to have a legal legal advisor, of course. Um, you need to have a tax advisor, and of course a money advisor, someone that can help you. Of course, someone like like Jordan that can help you ensure that you're not going to to do things with your money that are going to cost you additional money in the long run. Um, and and third. Uh, is if you in turn have a home, have a great hit with your business, you probably want to ensure that, that you're going to set it up right in a way that, that the business has certain protections in place. Um, you know, you in turn may want to get into asset protection for that LLC, for your business, um, especially if you're going to start doing things on, you know, now with the advent of the Internet and whatnot. Um, you, know, you want to have certain disclaimers. And so there's a whole host of things. But first step is let's get your LLC in place. Okay, you have uh, done a book called uh, Celebrity Estate Plans Gone Bad, uh, Secrets Every Woman, woman uh, Needs to Know to Prevent Emotional and Financial Turmoil When a Loved One Dies. Uh, why don't you just tell me a story or two, uh, particularly some celebrities, where everything went wrong, uh, they didn't have the estate plans set up correctly. Sure. Um, well, the, 
the big one that kind of comes to mind is is what happened with with the Heath Ledger um, case and and with with his a with his unfortunate death. He was he was only in his late twenties, early thirties. For I forgot the exact age. And like many families that I meet with, we all believe that we are immortal. Well, he as everyone knows, um, he in turn was the Dark Knight in the in the Batman movie, and he didn't have an updated will. He had a daughter that was that was born subsequently to the will that he had written. That meant that his daughter, there was a great chance that she was not going to inherit his property, his royalties, his assets because of this. So um, in a situation with a family, you know, that, that, that is just your average family and doesn't, you know, um, isn't an actor or actress, um, if they don't, if they wanted their assets to go to a certain child, um, what, what happened in Heath's case is the family had to essentially, um, essentially say, say to the probate court, we don't want the assets um, and we wanted to go to the to the child. There were certain procedures uh, that they had to put into place without getting all the technical terms. They had to do this, and the family took it upon themselves to do it for the benefit of this of this young daughter. I don't know about 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 some of your your audience, but sometimes when families see money, and this is the unfortunate part, and if they're going to say, "Well, you mean I'm going to get X amount of this, and you want me to waive my rights to that?" They may not do that. So don't leave it to chance. That's that's the big thing that I've seen, especially with the with the um, Heath Ledger um, issue. You um, also have what you call the Casanova effect. Is that right? How does that work? And, and yeah, the, the uh, Casanova effect with regards to to why a woman and when we do planning for for families with that are in second marriages um, and blended marriages now, um, they a lot a lot of times they have kids from prior marriages. So for instance, um, we had a client husband passed away from can from cancer three kids from a prior, each of them had three kids from prior marriages, um, and what we did was, his goal was to ensure that his kids were to not see his money and assets go to this, um, his spouse's new beau, or I call him the Casanova, the guy, the person that she may eventually end up with, um, because she in turn was still young, he was young, and they're both in their late 40s at the time, um, and there's a great potential for that. So this essentially, the Casanova Clause in our trust, it handcuffs a portion of the property to say, you cannot take this asset, go get married, and then find out that this new bull or the new Casanova can now, if he subsequently divorces you, he can now take some of your assets, which were originally this, the, the parent who passed away. So it's all, almost like a handcuff clause, so to speak, and that's, that, that's become a, certain a powerful um, tool to ensure that there's equalization between families, because if not... That, that family, that spouse, the spouse who passes away, his kids may not have protections. And the unfortunate part is many times the, the, the husband's going to pass away first statistically. So, um, and it's usually, you know, it's something that we, I, I personally don't talk about with the families, but I know it happens. The, the widow eventually goes, goes out because they, they enjoy companionship and whatnot. And eventually, you know, there's a good chance that they may eventually get married again. So this handcuffs them to ensure that they aren't going to um, to provide these funds and assets and have them given to or actually sold or inherited to to another spouse that had nothing to do with with the one spouse's kids. A quick question here: You see a lot of these uh, kind of fill in the blank forms, uh, legal Zoom and so on. Are, are, are these uh, 
easy for people to do and a way to avoid uh, costs and just get a quick will and all these different things done for them? Well, we know the, the odd thing about that is it's not a way to, to curb costs. I, I've physically gone through myself, and I don't want to impugn LegalZoom or any other corporations at this point in time, but I've gone through the process. I've looked at it. I've been done the 30, 40 minutes online, which is how they, how they utilize it. And the, you still have a lot of costs there. I mean, even on a simple family plan, there was, it was still, from my estimation, anywhere from two to $3,000. The big thing that we see is it, there's no state compliance. You can have the best plan, whether you pay two grand, 500 or ten grand online, if you don't have someone helping you to ensure that you comply with, with, um, with the state law there, all you're doing is filling, is filling out forms, you're printing them out, and then you're going, okay, what do I do next? And what we talked about earlier, Jordan, about ensuring that the funding takes place, well, this is as critical because it's not. Now you just have documents that are sitting there. They're unsigned. They're, they aren't in state compliance. And, and the, there's a good chance that they aren't going to be funded. So that's kind of my take on whether it's LegalZoom. And I, I've, I've referenced one of the other, I guess, financial gurus um, who, in my opinion, in their book that's out there, they actually give bad advice related to legal estate planning. I mentioned there's five critical documents. There's there's a lot of misinformation out there, um, you know. So you know, try okay. to get the right information. In summing things up in about 30 seconds, Joe, just again give your website and one last reason why people should do estate planning. The the website is is 1515criticalpoints.com. My email is s is s e e p a j d at hotmail.com. And the biggest reason why they should get planning done is to help ensure and prevent financial and emotional turmoil. When, when a loved one passes away, it can take years to overcome some of these, these terrible situations that, that happen when you don't have a plan in place properly. Very good. Thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Joe Dadich, who is a lawyer at, uh, in Southfield, Michigan, of Dadich & Associates. A lot to take care of with your estate planning. Go do it now. Thanks very much, Joe, for being on the Thanks, show. Thanks, Jordan. And we'll be back again next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.